We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino, and welcome to the Run ATL Podcast. We are so glad that you've elected to join us for the second time this year, 2018. We know everyone has big plans already in motion. I have a big co-host who I am happy to welcome. He's back. He's Dolomite Dave Martinez. Hello, D2. Hello. I hope I big coach and not referring to weight because I'm going to get personality. No, okay. no, no. Especially coming <laughs> off of our great conversation with Tina Tate. I know that in this case, big could be used in a lot of different ways. I'm talking about personality and contribution. Those are big when you are around for sure. We do have some important work to do today. In fact, we are continuing what we did last episode with Tina. What's your excuse? We provided the link on the show notes. We're going to continue to encourage people to not just check it out, but to make that they make sure that they get the most out of it. What is it that you might say about our guest today? Special. Special. So true. Yeah, I mean, special and 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 beloved. Um, I mean, I think you hear his name and uh you know, he's touched a lot of people's lives and a lot of people have become aware of, of who he is and, and some of, uh, you know, a bit of maybe what he's gone through, but maybe don't know his whole story. That is true. And it's not often we have the good fortune of having a teammate of ours on. Today, we do have that luxury, Andrew Powell. Many of you already know him, like we did with our episode where Tina was our featured conversation. We are electing not to go into a long introduction. His story and our upcoming conversation with him will do that. You will be moved. You will be motivated. Do not go anywhere right after this brief message. Dave and I have the wonderful privilege of bringing you unedited our conversation with Andrew Powell. Do you hear that? The trails are calling and you must go. You're invited to join the Big Peach Running Company crew for an all-inclusive weekend getaway in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Experience two days of trail running in the beautiful North Georgia mountains. Not a runner? That's okay. Hikers and outdoor enthusiasts are also welcome. Experience a relaxing weekend full of trails, award-winning food, and luxurious accommodations. Start the weekend off enjoying a few craft brews at Fannin Brewing. After a day on the trails, we'll recover at Serenberry Vineyards where you'll be able to sample some of Georgia's finest wines. We'll finish off the evening at Charlie Creek Farms with some barbecue and drinks under the stars. Don't miss out on an incredible trailcation you won't soon forget. Come on out and enjoy the trails. We'll take care of the rest. Visit BigPeachRunningCode.com to sign up. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. As D2 and I referenced in our introduction, we were going to go very light on introductions in this particular episode because it is going to be far more fun and, quite frankly, far more inspirational for you to get to know our featured guest today as we cover who he is and his story. But AP Andrew Powell is with us. AP, thank you for making some time for us today. Uh, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Well, it's obviously cool for me and as full as a disclaimer as I can make, everyone should know that AP has been a long-standing member of our team and I will not hesitate in my affection for him. He is a dear friend of mine and even though we are going to go into depth with what he has for us, I feel like everyone should know that even though I'm asking some questions that I think will highlight his character and tell us his story, it is one I am very familiar with myself. And so AP, I personally appreciate you being willing to kind of again walk me through why you are so special, even though we've had some really meaningful and deep conversations over the course of the last decade. Yeah, now sure. it's been quite quite some time. AP is someone I first met 
when he was actually working with a competing retailer, an AP, I'll never forget, we laugh about this now, that I'd see you at races. Oh, yeah. And D2, you can appreciate this with the history you have with Big Peach Running Company. It's very, very, very rare that as an employer, there's someone in the community who we want to bring into our organization. And there is no written or unwritten law or rule or guideline as to whether that should happen in this industry. But it was just kind of felt by me at the time that really wouldn't be fair to that retailer. I'm not so sure it was a good move for Big Peach Running Company as the new kid on the block at the time to go out and recruit AP to be part of our team. But believe me, I wanted that to happen. I just, I mean, your reputation preceded you. And when that finally did happen, there are oftentimes all of us have these stories in our past where what we think will be the case isn't nearly as good as what we thought would be the case. With UAP, it's been even better. But before we talk anything that may be so personal in terms of how I've really gotten to know you, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and the young Andrew Powell and kind of what brought us to today. Oh, the young AP. Uh, that's a good question. That's a good place to start. Um, you know, like when I was growing up, I was not the greatest athlete in the world. I did not. I mean, I played, I played some football, but I was mediocre at best. Uh, I played soccer, but I was usually pretty slow, so I was usually the goalie. So, um, so it was kind of like kind of late I kind of late bloomed in the in the, the sports industry in the sports world um and so when did you come to kind of understanding fitness is not only part of who I should be but something that I can do pretty well well you know I think I was I was soul searching somewhere and this sounds ridiculous but I was I was watching seven years in Tibet one day and I was just <laughs> kind of deciding I'm like we'll put a link to that in our show notes there you go D2 <laughs> that way everybody can see where AP started seven years in Tibet so I was sitting there and I was thinking I'm like what do I want to be doing with my life and and it was you know I was in a I was in a soul searching mood and I decided that I wanted to start go hiking I had a cousin that kind of got me started into hiking and then so I would go hike with him and I was out of shape and he was dragging me up and down hills and things like that and then I had an aunt my aunt Sandra which uh, has been with a track club over a long period of time and now my uh she's married to my uncle Jack which used to be president of the line of track club so she kind of dragged me into my first race and she's like oh, you need to do your first race it'll be fun it'll be good so I ran Peachtree. That was my very first race. And, and what year was that, approximately? I knew I was going to be testing there you go. the brain uh, on that. 98. 98, 1998. was my first race that I actually ran. And uh, when I ran it, like, I took off at the beginning. I was, like, in, like, block four or whatever. Took off, and I felt like, man, I'm just flying. And after about two miles into that, I was like, this was a horrible decision. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> and, uh... I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of like making it up as I went. And I, I thought, wow, this is, this is really a lot further than I thought it would be. And there's no way I can do this again. I'm not going to do this again. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, you know, if you actually train for this kind of stuff, it would it'd be okay. And then, and I so I just kind of kept adding to that and, it, and the plot kept thickening. Like I went to do my first marathon um, that was actually, uh, uh, 1998 as well. And I'd signed up for the Atlanta half marathon and I went to the expo and they said for $5, you could switch race and you could do the, you know, whichever race. And I assume most people were going down, paying the $5 to go down to the, the half marathon. So I went out and I said, I want to switch up to the marathon. They're like, well, you know, it's longer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm aware of it and all that. But I had not trained for it all. The longest run I'd had was maybe like 15 miles. I was running, just going along, and I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. Until about five around 15 miles where we'd never been anywhere before. And the body just started coming apart. My feet were, were tearing, like just killing me. And once again, I'm like, what was I thinking? This is ridiculous. I will never, ever, ever do this again. And then I finish the race and I wake up the next morning and fixing my blisters and stuff. And I'm like, 
You know, if you train a little bit, you might be able to do something. A recurring like theme, apparently. It became, yes, it, it just became like, just like, okay, well, if I can do that, now what can I do? What can I, this, this completely surprised myself. Now what can I surprise myself with? And that kind of became a mantra. It's, it's actually something that carried me all the way through my athletic careers and even when I got into uh, some of the setbacks and injuries and stuff that I had, I think that having that little pain cave, being able to have that experiences in those pain cave to realize that those are not necessarily bad things. Well, and if we look at that first marathon and the judgment you made on the fly that for $5, you could double your distance. We've got human resources professionals out there, perhaps that are immediately thinking, well, what did you see in him? Or they're applauding. (laughs) That's the kind of person everybody wants on their team. And, And I still remember this was going into 2008. And this is the way things maybe work in every industry where somebody tells somebody else. And this was a team member of mine saying, hey, you know, Andrew Powell, he might be interested in coming part of the Big Peach Running Company team. And then as we worked through a couple of common individuals who we knew, all of a sudden you and I get together to talk about, well, what could the future look like? And just to get everybody else up to speed, Andrew did become part of our team. Ultimately, we offered him the position that he accepted to become our first ever general manager in a new store at the time, which is our Kennesaw location, celebrating its 10th year this year now that we're in the 2018, now our number one volume location. So working with AP in such a close-knit capacity was one of those things that indeed allowed me to see who you were, not just on the trails or on the road or at a race or during a training run, but quite frankly, interacting with our guests, leading a team, managing our inventory. And it was just it was just terrific. And we developed this friendship that just was seemingly without bounds because it absolutely was in the workplace, but it was also very much in terms of what we enjoyed doing in our free time. So given people an understanding that I already have, what are some of the other things besides signing up for marathons without a lot of forenotice that make you just kind of who you are? What do you enjoy and who are you? That's a good question. A stumper, huh? Yeah, I stumped you. Yeah, yeah. you. You have. I'm like, I don't know. Who am I? Um, I don't know. I've, I've just always, like, I've always found that if there was something that I wasn't good at, that was an obsession. Like, it, it, instead of going, oh, man, that, that got me. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. It, it was more like setting up, it was like setting off, setting off a bomb, like, you know, just lighting a little fuse. It's just like, oh no, if, if, if we did, if this was this bad, I can make this better. I can, I can work on this and I can train on this and, you know, and just build on things. Just keep trying to build off, you know, what's going on. And that was happening in my running career, but it also worked really well in the retail industry because, you know, we, we were all competitive. We all wanted to, to do as well as we possibly could at, you know, what we were doing. And it was just another, just another level of the competition of just saying, all right, okay, well, it's a little more, let's dig in a little more and see what else we can do. Well, thank goodness for your competitive spirit, because I know as your time at Big Peach Running Company accumulated, there were things that happened that without perhaps that sense of competition, even if it was against the odds or against yourself, who knows, quite frankly, where you would be. So let's dive in a little bit to some of these things that I know and part of why I know you to be such an inspiration to me, but I believe also to others. I still remember some of the initial conversations we had about, well, gosh, I just don't know that I feel as good as I should in my chest and with what I should be getting out of my cardiovascular fitness as we're doing these trail runs, as we're training for these ultras. So lead us to what ultimately you found and ultimately had to conquer in order to keep doing this to the level that we got to know you at doing it. So we, I started having some issues with my running and it had been on and off. Sometimes I would always think, well, it's something with dehydration or, or I just wasn't some, the right electrolyte was off or whatever. But um, I started seeing like little telltales of where I would like 
I would black out or I would get lightheaded or dizzy uh, after a run, usually always right after a run, or track races or something that was fast. Uh, and it would feel like my heart rate was just just flying, just super fast. I feel super lightweight or like lightheaded, and all of a sudden it would, it would pass. And um, so I went to St. Jude. Uh, we're gonna go with that. So, um, <laughs> and they they checked everything out, and they came back and they said, "Well, you have exercise induced arrhythmia. It's really not that big of a deal. Really wouldn't worry about it." You know, if you're out running, if you feel lightheaded and dizzy, man, you may want to sit down because, you know, you might pass out and you don't want to hurt yourself. But I'm like, what I heard was, hey, you can keep running, no problem. And uh, I think we would have heard the same thing. Yeah, I don't think we should fault exactly him for his interpretation. No, I don't. I think many of you would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I heard it's okay to run. So that was all that I needed to know about that. Um, and I just kept, you know, kept doing that. But I was starting to, like, I was starting to see more often. I was starting to see more issues with it, but I was just ignorance is bliss. And, you know, Hey, I can run today. That's all that matters today. I'll figure tomorrow, tomorrow. You know? And, um, eventually I had a virus, um, that attacked my heart and I ended up with, uh, uh, basically my exercise induced arrhythmia kicked into a, like, overdrive version of that so like my heart rate would go up to like 260 um which you know it sounds like man if you could do that in the middle of a race that's awesome but it's not when you're you know sitting watching the xbox or something you know, so it's, it's not quite the same experience um so i went to the doctor and they um went to the emergency room and they uh were trying to get my heart rate to go down and i was like you know, I think I'm really distressed out. I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'm just having an anxiety attack or whatever. And they're like, all right, we're going to need the crash cart. We're going to need, you know, we're gonna need to roll into this. And I'm like, you know, I've seen ER. It just seems like this is a lot for, you're doing way too much for what's going on here. And the, the doctor, she, she looked at me and she said, you should not be awake. You should not be conscious right now she said you would be you should be out cold and i would have already have uh shot you with a defibrillator but the only reason i haven't done that is because you were still talking to me and she goes i don't know why and uh, so we started talking a little bit about what i did and what i you know what i was used to at that time and i've been doing a lot of ultra marathon runners so basically my heart rate had been anywhere from you know, 160 to 260 for 18 hours. And the lady, uh, my doctor, she was basically like, she said, uh, the, only, the only thing that I can think of is that your body thinks that you're running an ultra marathon right now. So my heart rate's jacked up for such a long period of time, but my body had got used to being super jacked up for long periods of time so was that a detriment or would that have been considered an asset the fact that you had that level of fitness okay so the fact that you had that level of fitness spared you at least at that point from the paddles yes it allowed you to have a conversation so you knew what was going on as well as could give your physician some real indication of how you were feeling absolutely and then uh, you know they 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 went through a long process of everything from shock me, trying different meds and stuff. Uh, I ended up going to Emory, uh, where they uh, sent me down there for a couple of weeks because they were just trying to figure out what's going on, you know. And every day I would tell them, I'm like, I really kind of feel like I'm okay. I think I could go run. And they are like, no, you're, you're a sick boy. You need to stay where you're at. But uh, they finally came back and said that that's what happened. I had a, a just a unidentified virus that attacked my heart and that's what it decided to take was to attack was the heart because that's where it had the arrhythmia issues and it just made it go haywire so um at emory i'd had a uh, basically i had a uh, flatlined and uh so they paddled me back which if anyone ever wonders when you were out of it and you are getting shot with the paddles, you used to feel the paddles. Because <laughs> I was telling them, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, but I wouldn't say anything. It was it was just me saying in my mind, no. But uh, anyway. And I think for good reason, because I, yeah. I remember the first time you told me yeah. about getting the paddles and what it felt like. Yeah, it, it's like getting hit by a sledgehammer. 
So, but, uh, but anyway, so I woke up and I had a pacemaker and I had all kind of cool little new gadgets and stuff. And, and they're like, well, look, you know, you're never going to be able to get back to what you were before. You're going to be able to, you know, maybe you'll be able to do a little bit of walking, some hiking, some stuff like that. That's, but that's it. That's the limit. And then from that point, it just, when I went home, when nobody was around, then I would start trying my little, okay, well, if I can do this, how far can I go here? Well, what if I actually try and jog from here to here? And it was, it was a lot of hit and miss on, you know, when you're just making it up as you go. It, it's, you know, some days were really, really high and some were really, really low. But, um, but eventually I got back to where I was doing my running again. And I got back to where my competitive part of me wanted to, to do more. So I, I signed up for an Ironman and I'd never done Ironman before, but I thought, you know what? I always wanted to do this before. Now that I'm actually moving again, I'm going to go back and at least make sure that I said I did one of these. So before, before we get to the Ironman, what I want to do is I want to quickly drag out something you said in terms of the experimentation that you leveled on yourself mm -hmm. to determine, well, what can I do? Now I get that there's a level of danger that yeah. comes with now having an implement in your chest, yes. having doctor's orders that suggest, A, yeah, when yeah. you're willing to say, well, maybe we try a little bit of B or push it yeah. every once in a while to see. That's not what I want to recommend here publicly or pull right. out. But what I do want to do, there are so many people at this time of year who have, maybe rightfully so, some self-doubt. Mm -hmm. I've not been able to go that far before. I've not been able to stick with the resolution previously. Right. I've not seen my succeed, myself succeed in this capacity at any other point. Right. But you just took baby steps. You right. were willing to push the envelope a little bit. Yes. You were conducting these experiments to improve yourself, yeah. but really monitoring yourself to see what was possible. Right. And, and it, yes, I, and it was basically, it was really that. It was just, you know, learning to know myself, to, to know, okay, this is, seems to be a safe area. This little area is a little, little gray looking, and this area looks really Well, and you're in uncharted waters. Yeah. In addition, the history does not matter. You have to put that all aside yeah. and say, today is a new day. It is. What I do today is not going to be a reflection of what I did yesterday, yes. for better or worse, and it doesn't necessarily indicate what's possible tomorrow. Right. And I think that's so important for all of us because we get constrained by what our history tells us, yes. or we put limits on ourselves as to what our future can hold. But you, in the privacy of your own home, are pushing it step by step. And then ultimately, you decide to step out and say, I'm going to do something I've never done before, and right. you register for an Ironman. Yeah. And, and it's true. And it's, and it's, you're going to have times where, you know, you're going to, have doubts or you're going to say oh i can't go this far or i can't go that fast or whatever but those are all just limitations that you're creating on your yourself you're, you're telling yourself i can't do this you're telling your mind i can't do this but in reality we can do pretty much anything that we want to do as long as we're willing to put the work and the effort into it and look at it in the right mindset because when we think of like a, a New Year's resolution, it's like, you know, this is the year I'm going to break this 10K uh, time PR, or I'm going to run my first 5K, or whatever is your challenge. Everybody's challenge is, it's, it's, it's all technically the same. It doesn't matter if my challenge was this and your challenge is that. Everybody's struggle, everybody's challenge is the same. So it's just... How do I motivate myself? How do I get myself to, to get up on the days I don't want to get up? Um, trying to trying to find a place where where you can embrace the suck a little bit, which is, uh, you know, I hate to say that, but it's true. But And necessary for somebody who is. wants it really to is. do something you, they've not done before. You do. You have to embrace the suck and just realize, okay, I you know, if I'm going to accomplish these goals, I'm going to have to do A, B, C, D to get here. And you're right. The the athlete that I was before I got, you know, had the pacemaker and all issues like that, the person that came back was not the same person. It was not the same athlete, did not have the same talents. So it was saying, all right, 
how do I make the best of what I've got? I'm going to have to do some adaptations. I'm not going to be able to do it quite like I used to do it before. If I keep trying to do what I used to do, I'm going to break myself. But if I can say, all right, you know, everybody knows how to train hard. Now let's train smart. How to actually, you know, if, like I said, going back to being like a mad scientist and, and saying, all right, everything says I shouldn't be able to do this. How do I get there? How do I, how do I outsmart myself? Well, we won't turn this into an Ironman coaching program or a how-to for somebody who's an aspiring triathlete or wants to finish their first 5K this year, but you found success after this yes. pacemakers installed. It wasn't without some complications, yeah. but you sign up for that Ironman. We can kind of cut to the chase scene, but I'm going to let you provide better indication. You finished. I did. It wasn't the only one you've done. I still remember being in Jackson, Wyoming with you for yeah. your wedding. Yeah. And one of the best wedding memories of any wedding, including my own, that I would ever have is the day we spent prior to your nuptials yeah. on the trails running from where we were staying to where we were going to get picked up yeah. at Grand Teton National Park. Just amazing. Yeah. Even better than when we were competing against each other, working for two different retailers right. and thinking we had to go out and just beat each other's brains in to see who was going to end up at the front of the pack right. for some ultra. I mean, that was just a special day for me. So walk us through some of the accomplishments that did come your way because of your persistence after the pacemaker was installed. Um, so once I, once I kind of got the pacemaker in there and once I started realizing that, you know, I can work around it. I can work around some of the different things. I have to make sure that I have to fine tune some stuff. My electrolytes have to be good. I have to make sure that I stay hydrated. I have to, you know, go see my doctors and not neglect them like I often would like to. But, um, but you know, I'll go and just try and look at everything, Sarah, what do we need to do? And we ended up, we did two Ironman. Um, one of the, my first one was under 13 hours. So I was super well excited about yes, that. Yes, indeed. D2, as an Ironman, you can appreciate yeah, that. Still, I mean, that's a very respectable time. Yeah. yeah. And that was, you know, the, when I did that race, it was such a different experience because in all races before, it was always like I was racing against the time and stuff. But I found myself just like, I was just so happy that I was there, that I was doing this, that I was a part of this. And, if I if I had not finished, you know, would I've been disappointed? Yes, but if you really looked at the big picture, should I've been able to finish? Probably not. I mean, there was there was I had a lot of there were a lot of well, it's okay. You don't have to do this. There was plenty of things where I could talk myself out of it, but but instead it was like okay, this is a celebration. To me, that's what I look at like what the races are. You know, trying to do your first 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon, uh, Ironman, any of the different events like that. The actual race itself is just a celebration. It's a celebration of, of your accomplishments, of all the hard work that you did to get to there. The race is, to some degree, it's it's irrelevant. You know, it, it's it's all that hard work. I mean, I've had friends that always said there were people that were racers and there were people that are trainers. Well, I'm definitely a trainer. I, I love to train. And, you know, to push myself and to see what I can do and push past that and then see where we can go. So one of the things, and this is absolutely shameless to be able to tie this in, but it makes sense. And, and we referenced it in our introduction Are what's your excuse? You had people who were telling you, it's okay. You don't have to do this. They were offering excuses for you. I'm sure it would have been easy More than plenty. <laughs> to tell yourself something that was true, yes. but you found as more of an excuse and said, well, that could be my excuse, yeah. but no, I'm going to push back and ultimately I'm going to conquer yeah. that excuse. Actually, and that's part of why we just wanted to have this conversation. Yeah. My, my, first, my first doctor about the heart, uh, he, was, he was just like, no, you're done. You're done. And uh, I went on. Well, start went on different things. Started looking at doctors, and I was started looking for uh, cardiologists that had running backgrounds that had run races. And I found an ultra marathon doctor, and I'm like, I want him to tell me that I can't do it, you know, because I, I feel like he's going to understand my my sympathy more. And when he did the e uh, echo for my heart and came back, and he goes, "There's nothing says that you can't do any of this." He goes, "You're just going to have to be smart about it." And then so that became 
okay, now we got something to work with, you know. And that's all you ever want is that little dangling carrot. And that little dangling carrot gets you somewhere, and you just keep following the little carrot or follow the little rabbit hole or whatever. Well, I think that's important. We do need to both reward ourselves with carrots, but then also allow us to challenge ourselves and each other or let others challenge us with the next carrot. And obviously you did that. And there were tremendous impediments potentially, but yet you figured out a way to get over them, around them, through them, not without challenge. And and certainly we can all relate to that. The other thing, and, and this is not a distinction that you know proudly, but there's never been someone in our organization who I've gone to the hospital to visit more frequently than you. You just, you have that title. But I, I still remember very vividly and, and of course still to this day, very sadly, April of 2014, I was at home. It was spring break for my children and I get a call from one of our teammates. And without telling part of your story, but setting you up to do so, in a way you're comfortable, it just, it rocked me. Not just because of who you were to me and my family, but quite frankly, because of the nature of what had happened and just what immediately would come through as something that was going to change your life and the lives of those around you forever. And we think, gosh, a heart complication. Oh my goodness, I'm now with a pacemaker. I have to be mindful of seeing a physician. Those things, with all due respect, became a small, small hurdle compared to what happened in April of 2014. Walk me one more time through that, if you would. Even though I just, I never, I never enjoy and yet can never fully grasp what this would be like. In addition, our listeners, for those who do not know you, I think will find that when challenges come your way, they may not be the biggest challenges that are going to come your way. There may be more that are down the road. So by conquering these excuses, these challenges, these concerns or problems today, you may be setting yourself up for the battle that has yet to come. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, you never know. You you don't know how your day is going to go when you you wake up. And... um, in April 2014, uh, I went to uh, New Orleans. I was going to do the half Ironman in New Orleans with my brother-in-law. Uh, and he was really excited about it. And he was really pumped about it. And he's the one that really trained. Uh, and I was So like, all these years later, you're still trying to find the shortcuts to your training. I am. Frank is doing all the training, and yet you decide no matter what you did that first marathon where you're like, gosh, this would be better if I trained. You can here admit that... You hadn't done as much training yeah, as he not had. Not as much as I thought. I, I mean, I, I was still trying to figure out Ironman out of that because when I did the first Ironman, I spent so much energy into swimming just because I didn't want to drown. And then as I, and then as I got more comfortable with the swimming, I thought, you know, I really need to be working more on the biking and the running because the swimming is such a small part of this. I mean, it's just it's a warm up, you know. So it's like. No reason to go too crazy. Just take it easy and then build up as you go. Uh, so I was still experimenting with that, thinking, okay, well, maybe less swimming, more biking, and things like that. But uh, Frank was my brother-in-law. Uh, uh, he he was super excited. He wanted to go do the race. And I said, you know, I, I'll go do it with you. I'll, I'll do the race. And um, it'll be fun. You know, just, you know, I need, I needed something to train for at that time. So, okay. So we drove out there and we had just a, an amazing day the day before, um, uh, before the day. Uh, but you know, we just, just had a, just a great guy's day, just going out, good food, you know, just having a good time. And in the morning we were going to get up and do, uh, just a tune-up ride. Uh, on, you know, just make sure the bikes are shifting, no problems, everything's good. And um, so we went to a, kind of a little more of a rural area of the course where there's a lot of nothing out there. It's more of like, uh, I guess it's more of like a little state park area. And I thought, well, there'd be less traffic in, compared to being in downtown New Orleans. And... Um, it's also the furthest part out of the course, which is if you're ever going to get suspect on 
how much further is this? That's the way you figure out how you figure that, you know, where things are. So we went out and uh, decided we were going to do the run, a ride together. And uh, we'd only rode maybe like 10, uh, 10 minutes, I think. Uh, I mean, I don't remember a whole lot from that point on, but we were uh, rear-ended by a car. The guy was going 71 miles an hour in a rental car with a suspended license with no insurance. And uh, he had both of us going 71 miles an hour and uh, killed my brother-in-law. And it threw me, um, after the car hit me, it threw me in a ditch, but it it broke my back in two places. It broke my hip, broke my left ankle, and I was paralyzed from the waist down, basically from T11 down. So, So that was not really how I thought that day was going to go. It changed a little. Well, and, and D2, I've heard AP tell the story to me to the extent that he could almost immediately after he got back to Atlanta, which for those of you who would not come to this on your own, was not very quickly. You were in Louisiana yes. for an extended period of time for your recovery. And then I've heard him tell this story or, or various components of it for the benefit of others a variety of times. My heart still races every time. As you get to the point where this individual does not only hit you and Frank, but take his life and change yours and your respective families forever. For sure. So now that race is not going to happen. But more importantly, there's so much else that will not happen. You will not see your brother-in-law again. You've got nieces who I'm sure you'd have been intimately involved in their life anyway. But now, from what you've told me previously, you feel a sense of responsibility sure. that I, as an uncle, yeah. can't grasp because the situation that I have in terms of when I see my niece or nephew yeah. is just not anywhere, not close. It's just unrelatable. Yeah. So now after something like that happens and we think about, gosh, we've got to pick up and move on. We've got to do something not just for us now, but for others. Yeah. Give us a sense of, of how that happens. <laughs> Um, so when I was still in New Orleans, um, I was really, I was pretty drugged up at that point. So I don't remember all of these things completely, but I do remember asking, cause we got hit on Friday, race was Sunday. So I talked to my wife Saturday and I said, what day is it? She said, Saturday. I said, oh good. There's still another day for the race. I, in my mind, I was still going to do the race. I, I was convinced that. I'd be okay. I didn't. I, I had no clue that I was paralyzed or anything like that. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, there's there's a couple of days. I'm still good. I can get ready and get ready to do the race. So that was the competitive spirit, even with yeah, all oh, the yeah, medication. It, is, it, is. it was just, uh, I, you know, I'll be okay. I've got a couple of days. I, I can put this together, you know. And then until you realize what you really have to work with, and now it's it's a it's definitely a much more humbling experience at that point. And then. You know, I was I was so afraid, you know, was Kim mad at me, which Kim's my sister-in-law. And I felt, you know, that in a lot of ways I felt Frank was, was my fault because I had, you know, I set up the course, I picked the route. You know, he was the one that was really wanting to do the race. But, you know, I'm like, well, if I picked a different route or if I, if I just said, hey, let's, let's, let's bag it today. Let's, let's take it easy and not ride. But that's... It's never really been my my thing. It's always been like, oh, it's really not that bad. We could do that, you know. Oh, it'll be fine. So well, and I sit here today, having you know been around you for this entire journey. Now that it's been three plus years, but yet will be a lifetime yeah. of journeying. Given something like that when it transpires, and I know that not just the physical challenges and inconvenience that were at the onset and continue to this day, but the emotional and quite frankly, the mental warfare that has to be acknowledged. When you think about what you said earlier, my gosh, even 24 hours after the accident, but 24 hours before the race, it was instinctive to want to compete. And now I know all that you're doing, that competitive spirit that you had spent so many years building and fine tuning I think is a bit of a lifeline for you. I think it has been. I, I, would, I would completely agree with that. And I think if you go back to, you know, 
previous injuries before, you know, the car accident and everything, I think some of the stuff with, you know, my heart and some injuries I'd had when I was a kid, I think it was almost kind of like prepares you to where, okay, this may, this may hurt a little. <laughs> or a <laughs> lot. You know, that you're, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable pressure here, you know, and then, but then you just kind of, once you kind of get in there, you just kind of start working. It's like, it's just like taking a puzzle apart and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to work on this puzzle part now. Okay, well, I got that. Now I can build this. Now I can build this. And that's all you're trying to do is just trying to build on whatever you have. Um, when I, when I got back to Shepherd, I went up to the Shepherd Center out of uh, New Orleans. That was the first time that I actually knew I was paralyzed because at Shepherd they or in the New Orleans they kept saying, oh, yeah, you know, it's just probably just some of the injuries and some of the surgery stuff will probably you know be okay." But then once I got to Shepherd and I was actually in the spinal center wing, and you that's when you're like, "Okay, yeah, this is this is real." <laughs> And um, and I remember kind of sitting there thinking, man, I am screwed. Uh, I thought, man, I am I'm done. You know, it's like I, I was in a power, I wasn't even in a um, manual chair. I was in a power chair. Uh, really, I couldn't put my socks on. I couldn't, couldn't do much of anything. Um, but, you know, when they would have, PT and then say, well, you need to go do your physical therapy today. You got to do your occupational therapy. You got to do all these things. When I first got into that, it, it was hard to kind of start back over with it again, saying, okay, here we go. Let's, let's do this. We can do it. But once it gets to where it starts feeling like training again, then that competitive part kicks back in and it's like, oh, wow, what's, what's the record for the most dips? I can break that, you know, and it, it, so it's so you completely change all your goals of what you're trying to do. It's like, you know, can I, with assistance, can I walk, you know, 50 feet? I mean, it's like this becomes big goals and stuff like that, you know, compared to today, I'm going to try and, you know, do an Ironman. I want to be under this certain time, you know, your, your goals completely change, but the competitive part is huge because it was it was the same thing because once I started realizing you know me we, me wanting to do better on the, a treadmill me wanting to do better in the wheelchair um, we used to do a thing called push class which it was a thing you had to graduate but you had manual wheelchairs and you would basically go around and you would do loops around these uneven surfaces and up Peachtree and then you finish going up in the parking deck at Shepherd which was very hard. But at the same time, I was like, it felt very much like the gaps. I'm like, it's like, yeah. this, this, this has a feeling. I remember this, you know? So it was like, you know, trying to... Trying Might have been completely through. different. It wasn't an ultra. Yeah. It wasn't riding the no, gaps. It was completely But it gave the same sense right. to yeah. you about, gosh, will I make it? Right. Is today the day I accomplish this or not? Yeah. And gives, whether it's adrenaline or endorphins or what yes. have you, the same sense that, thank goodness, you were used to that. Because you're like, this is supposed to happen. Right, right. And that was it, just, just knowing that this is a normal pain. You know, there, there, there's a difference between when you're really, really hurt and when you're training and you're like, that kind of hurts so good feeling. <laughs> you know, they're different. And when you, can, when you can get past the just the real severe pain part of it and all of a sudden you realize, okay, this is training pain. And then that was, that was the happiest Probably the happiest moment I had at Shepherd was when I realized, okay, I, I've still got stuff I can do from here. I, there's stuff that I can accomplish. There's still things I can do. I may have to adapt everything and do it a little different, but I can still find ways to do it, you know. Um, and then so we kind of took off from that. And, I mean, it was trying to figure out how to get onto a, a bike trainer when I could barely stand on, you know, stand on a bike. And, but I'm like, okay. I can figure this out, you know, or, um, once again, you know, once they finally got me at Shepherd where they would get me to where I was walking pretty well on, uh, a machine that basically took a high percentage of your body weight off. So it was easier for you. And then, so once that came about, then it was like, all right, well, 
can I do this on my own now? You know, could I, if, you know, I'm sitting at the house by myself before, you know, during the weekend, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take my walker, and I'm going to roll it as far as I can. I'm going to have to get back there some way or the other. It's either going to walk or we're going to crawl, figure that out. And I hobbled. It wasn't pretty, but I got to there. And I'm like, okay, well, if I can get there, now where can I go? And that's all it was, was just basically just constantly just like, okay, we're just going to rebuild again. We're going to start back over. I'm, I'm going to forget who I used to be. Because that's the hardest pill to swallow is when you, when you look at what your marathon pace used to be and now you're like, man, if I could run that for a mile, that would be unbelievable, you know? And so it's, it's a different experience and, and it's humbling, but I think it, it makes you a, it makes you a stronger person mentally. I think it makes you hungrier sometimes on things when you're like, you know, I want to still be able to do all the things that I used to be able to do. I can't do that quite right that, you know, right now I can't quite do that, but I can do enough to make it to where I am still being active. I'm still, you know, still living an active lifestyle um, that I'm still trying to try and accomplish goals and stuff to, you know, to show up every once in a while and sneak into a little race or something and see how it goes. And I have found that most of the times when I do little things like that, I try and, I try and find low key places where nobody knows that I'm there. So there's no pressure. There's no, you know, doesn't matter what I used to do, you know? Uh, I mean, I used to do, even when I would go through spells when I would be, not as fit, I, I would go to certain places at Kennesaw Mountain and I would just run there because nobody would ever see me. So it, it was like, so if I was out of shape, closet training, nobody knew that I was really in that bad of shape, but it was, it allowed me to kind of go and just kind of, kind of challenge myself and kind of, I think, I think my favorite competitor that I've ever dealt with was me. It was always, how do I get the best out of me? How do I push this? I can't do this today. How do I get there? And I think that's it. It's just always my favorite competitor and my favorite person to compete against and my favorite person to push is me. Well, and, and I want to ask you a, a final question. Before I do, I just I want to punctuate what you said because I think there are many of us out there who know someone, if it's not us, who is not doing a good job of regularly challenging themselves. And we do not know what the next hour, let alone tomorrow or a couple of weeks from now, holds for ourselves or for anyone else. But you've proven that by building those muscles, not the physical anatomical muscles, but the muscles that are reactions and how to respond to these setbacks and these challenges, physical, emotional, you've got to do the hard work long before that happens. Because now you've developed this mindset that, of course, it's hard but I'm going to go after it. Of course, it's unlikely that I'm going to succeed right away, but that's okay because I will ultimately prevail. I cannot relate. No matter how many times we've had conversation that's been related to this or any of the things that you've endured, I cannot relate. Our listeners, there are probably a few of them that have a story that's equally as horrific. And there's part of me that hopes I never hear it. But most of our listeners, D2 and I included, just will have the good fortune of never having to go through the hell, quite frankly, that you have. I would would hope that not happened to anybody else as well. What would you say has been the most valuable lesson that you've learned through the experiences you've had over the last decade or so now and that you would be willing to share with everyone, not just to take with them, but also maybe to share with others? Yeah. Because it is important that we do this together, encourage one another, and help all of us get stronger as we go day yeah. by day into this new year. I definitely think the the not giving up, I mean, there's going to be times that you're going to want to give up. There's going to be times where you're like, dude, I just don't want to go do this today, or I don't, I don't, I don't feel it today, or whatever. But being able to 
to tell yourself, you know what, you're still going to have a great time when you go out there to do it. And usually when we get finished with our activity or whatever we do, then we're really proud of ourselves because they're like, dude, I did that. I, I, I was able to mind over matter and get me out there, you know. So I think things like that, just not giving up, uh, being able to adapt, you know, everybody has different abilities and different talents and stuff. Uh, I know like when me and you used to race each other all the time, it wasn't as, it was a completely different race for you than what it was for me. I was always holding on for dear life to try and stay as close to Mike as I could, where Mike's over there like, he's like doing his nails and stuff. That's not true. (laughs) uh, But, uh, you know, you just have to, you have to just adapt to things. You have to realize, okay, well, if I can't accomplish it this way, there's another way for me to do it. You know, if, if it's, it's really cold outside and and I've become, I'm not going to lie, I'm more of a delicate flower than I ever was. Uh, about weather and things like that. I'm trying to convince Sandra that we need to be in uh, Key West or something right now. Someday. Yeah, one day. But, um, but you know, if it's cold outside, you can you can just sit and do sit-ups and push-ups. Uh, I love pull-up bar. I've got a pull-up bar that's right next to my kitchen, so as I go by, I'll try to see how many pull-ups I can try and pull up or whatever. Constantly challenging yourself. Yeah, it's always there. And, you know, it's like, wow, you know, I'd really like to run today, but it's 33. I can go sit on the, uh, my uh, treadmill. I can sit on my bike trainer. There's all kind of ways of, 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 you know, motivating yourself and looking at the looking at yourself and say, hey, I did that. And they, they say that it takes about six months. If you can keep doing something for about anywhere six weeks, six months, somewhere in there, it becomes a habit. Mm-hmm. And that's what it, that's what you gotta look at it. It's like, you don't wanna think like, well, I'm training for this thing that's gonna be in 18 weeks and then I'm gonna be done with it. It's a lifestyle. It's saying, you know what? I'm gonna fulfill every day to the best ability that I can have. My best day is not always the, the same day. Some days are really, really good some are not so good but the ones that are the bad days you chalk it up you say all right what did i learn from this how can i get around this how can i do better with this let me evaluate my day all right tomorrow i will make this i will i will make it past here i will do this i'll do that um but just not not giving up just being able to say i'm going to do my best at whatever i can um i did for a while it was way back in the day, but um, I was kind of in a little place where I was in a low point of my training. I just wasn't really as motivated. So I told myself, I said, all right, I'm going to train one mile every day. So that's it. That, that's it. If I'm going to go do my one mile, and if it's terrible, I'm going back to the house. But what always happened, what I would go out, I would go out to do my, my run for my one mile, that one mile will become three miles, become five miles, become six miles, become 10 miles, become 12 miles, become 20 miles. And it, you know, all you gotta do is just get out the door. And it started, it started with challenging yourself, challenging yourself to that mile and then seeing what would happen after that. You were, you were so much stronger than you, than we ever think that we are, you know, as far as, what our bodies can actually endure, what our bodies can take. What our minds might be able to. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. And so, you know, don't create your own limitations saying, oh, I can't do that because that's too far. I can't do that because it's, you know, that that's just, you know, too fast. I can't run that fast. I can't run that far. I can't run in this temperature. I can't run in that temperature. It's all just saying, you know what? I'm going to do the best of what I have today, and maybe it's a mile. But that's today. That was a mile that I got. It's a mile more than I would have done if I hadn't done anything. And then just keep plugging along, plugging along, and then just let the addiction kick in and just be like, all right, now what can we do? And there's, I have a, I don't know, I have a long list of all these little things that I want to go back, even if it's just to do it one time, and it's not going to be the same experience that I had before. 
But I still want to be able to go back to a lot of places and say, I did this after. I, I was able to do this after being paralyzed. I was able to do this after having, you know, a pacemaker put in where everybody keeps saying, you know, you're just going to have to settle down. You're going to have to take it easy. And I'm like, no, I'm, you know. That is not who you are. And I can say that because I've seen it, but more importantly, because you've developed that in yourself. And ladies and gentlemen, we could not say it as well as AP has lived it. But 2018, you need, if you've not made it a habit already, to challenge yourself. Not only will you be the better for it immediately, you perhaps will be setting yourself up for more likely success in the future when things that come your way that you could not imagine are on your plate and part of what you are managing. AP, I don't get a chance to say this maybe ever again to a featured conversation, but I love you and I appreciate everything you are and all you've done. D2, we'll be right back after this brief message. It's definitely winter and it's time you layered up with some of our long sleeve run ATL shirts, hoodies, and pullovers. The soft light cotton material will feel comfortable and it's also highly moisture wicking to keep you dry and warm. The new quarter zip pullovers are lightweight, include a zippered pocket and ventilated mesh panel. Keep training through the winter so you're not only running your best this spring, but also looking your best. They're available at all seven Big Peach Running Company locations and online at bigpeachrunningco.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast. D2, you said at the onset, AP is special, and that was a special treat for you and I to be able to sit here with him. And I hope our listeners got as much out of it as what you and I do every time we're around him and certainly knowing him the way we do. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to AP. There's always, uh, you know, if you've if you've met AP, you know, he's this really big guy, but there's something very gentle about him and just really kind of inspiring to hear him uh, speak and just to hear his story. And, uh, you know, it's something that I hope no one else has to ever experience, but know that if you ever do come across uh, a challenge or anything like this in your life, that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel and that you can persevere. Gosh, very, very true. But one thing that is also true is this was not intended to be a January exclusive podcast for 2018. We've got 11 more months of bringing great content to our listeners. And what I will say right now, unapologetically to everyone, share, share, share this podcast with your friends because we've worked very hard already to ensure material you will want to hear, you will want to encourage others to listen to, and that if you don't share right now, you'll be sharing sometime down the road. D2, give us a preview. What do we just have coming up over the next few episodes? So, yeah, so we'll be talking to uh, the Begley's. They're uh, coaches for the Track Club. Yeah, they coach uh, the in-training program, which is available to everyone and anyone that wants to uh, train, whether it's a 5K all the way up to a marathon. And also they uh, coach the elite athletes, you know, uh, with that Olympic dream trying to make it. So we'll find out what it takes to compete and train at that level. Indeed, former Olympian. In fact, we'll make sure we get Amy to tell us some of her story, but then we're also going to have one of their athletes on the podcast as well. I think it's really a special relationship that exists between most coaches and most athletes. I think we'll be able to tease that out of them for everyone to be able to hear. What else? What else is on the docket? So we got a gentleman, Mark, who has this kind of this running experience um, where you get to basically run the equivalent of going up to uh, Mount Everest. And you called it earlier when we were doing our show prep, an expedition. Yep. I think that's very true. And I think what Mark will unpack for us is that more and more event professionals are taking us as athletes, you and I and all of our listeners, and recognizing that in addition to accomplishment, we also want experience. And they're just finding more creative ways than ever before to deliver that to us. And we'll get a chance to hear from a real pro. And then tell me about the Pease Brothers. So, you know, I've seen them out on marathon courses and just, you know, and it's just very special. I've never met them. I'm familiar a little bit with their story. So it'll be really interesting and, and great to find out a little bit more to talk to them and to find out the relationship they have and why they do what they do. And, you know, to me, it's inspiring regardless of just seeing these individuals push a wheelchair through a marathon. It's hard enough doing it by your own, but being able to push another individual, that takes a lot. It's a heartwarming story. It is awesome work and for sure 
to me, it walks out with the real definition of brotherly love is. So that's just a little bit of a preview of some episodes that will be part of our 2018. But for now, we must say goodbye. Thank you once again for tuning in. We'll see you in just two weeks. And in the meantime, may your best miles be those covered on foot.